0: Hey, Everybody, welcome to the last uh, content-based podcast. Uh, this is Unit Five. I don't know what order people are listening to these in, uh, but it's for me the last content one. So, uh, Unit Five is political participation, uh, and it's twenty to twenty-seven percent of your exam. So, it's a decent size, a decent chunk of that. Um, a lot bigger than Unit Four, uh, on par with, uh, right, a little bit less than Unit One and Unit Two. So. Um, It's a pretty specific with political parties, interest groups and mass media, but there's a lot of stuff within there that we got to cover. So uh, try and make it as quick as possible. But I want to be sure and cover all the material that College Board says we need to cover for this. So let's get going uh, and uh, move through this. So first up. The first topic you got to know is voting rights and models of voting behavior. And within that, there's a couple of things. First up is the amendments that you got to know, uh, the the voting amendments. And there are five of those. The 15th Amendment gave uh, all adult males the right to vote. Okay. The 17th Amendment was direct election of senators. Remember, we used to not be able to pick our senators. Uh, the state senators would pick the national state senators. Uh, the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. The Twenty Fourth Amendment, which said no poll taxes, and then the Twenty Sixth Amendment, which allowed eighteen-year-olds to vote, so it lowered the voting age. So those are the five voting amendments that you got to know and remember, uh, and possibly reference in uh, at different times throughout your test, whether it's the uh, multiple choice or FRQ. Okay. The other thing is uh, the models that explain voting behavior, and there are a couple of those. So rational choice—that uh, is, voting based on what's perceived to be in your best interest. Okay. So going down the list, doing some research, finding the candidate that is going to do what, what, what helps you the most retrospective voting uh, that is voting to decide whether the party or candidate should be reelected based on the recent past. So what's happened here recently uh, in the last year is my situation better today than it was two years ago or or whatever it might be. So what have they done for me? Basically Uh, Prospective voting uh, that's based on what's going to happen in the future. Is this candidate going to do what I need uh, for uh, to make my future uh, the best it could possibly be? And then you've got party line voting, and that is voting uh, based just on the political party. So I go in there. As long as I got an R bias name, I'm voting for them. As long as I got a D by their name, I'm voting for them. just doesn't matter as long as I see that Republican or Democrat, whoever I'm voting for. Okay. Uh, next up, as far as topics go, is voter turnout within voter turnout. Some things we got to know are some of the barriers um, and how demographics can predict voter turnout and things like that. Okay. there's also a term in your political efficacy. Uh, This is mine and your citizens. OK, faith in the government and also a belief that we uh, understand the political process and that we can influence the political process or the political affairs, however you want to say it. Okay, so that's what political efficacy is. Um, Excuse me. Um, There are some barriers, okay, out there. Uh, You know, the national versus state-controlled elections. The states control the elections, remember that. Uh, And we see at the state level, uh, you know, from Georgia's most recent election, there's questions, concerns about voters and voter suppression and things like that. I don't know how valid that is. I'm not looking to get into that. Um, I personally don't feel like it's that, that valid of a thing. I know there were some issues here in Gwinnett where machines didn't work and things like that, but is that purposeful? I don't know. I don't think so. I'd like to think it's not, but you know, you never know. Uh, but stuff like that. Okay. Uh, voter registration laws, procedures, these can create uh, barriers to, to registering to vote and to getting out to voting. Um uh, Voting incentives or penalties or fines uh, can possibly be barriers. I don't think we have to worry about that too much. Uh, And then the election type, midterm versus presidential elections, presidential elections, remember every four years and then every two years. So within the middle of a presidential election, you have the midterm, which is just congressional. People don't show up for those. They don't turn out for those because uh, it's midterm. It's just Congress. Who cares? The president's the most important one. Hopefully, you know, when we know at this point that really is Congress is the most important because they're the ones that control most everything, and get to do most everything. OK, uh, demographics also are going to play a role. Um, you can look up the statistics yourself. I'm not going to try and go through them and uh, some of the, the things that are out there. But, you know, women vote more than men. Whites vote more than minorities. Old people vote more than young people. Things like this um, is what we're getting at with the demographics. OK. It, once again, it doesn't always prove true. And your certain situation is going to be different. But uh, the statistics point out you know, the more education you get, the more likely you are to go. vote. the more money you make, the more likely you are to go. vote than people who make less money. All right. Um, some of the things that influence voter choice, uh, your ideology, your party identification. Uh, sometimes that's going to affect whether you decide to go and vote. Uh, The candidates, their characteristics, sometimes they're just not good candidates. Um, I wasn't particularly happy with either Clinton or Trump back in 2016. I didn't think either one of them was was super great. Uh, Contemporary political issues, what's going on, what are the issues of the day doesn't really concern me. Uh, And then sometimes you're, you know, some of the other demographics like religion and things like that can play a role in whether you're going to turn out to vote. Okay. Uh, nextly is political parties. I would cover political parties in unit four. So it has uh, a, a part there. And that was mainly about um, policy. We didn't really get much into what political parties are, what they do and that sort of stuff. We just really cons- were concerned about their ideologies and their, their, uh, the, the, uh, the role they play okay, but uh, let's talk about them here as a linkage institution. So that's where we're at now with political parties. Um, well, a little bit about their ideology, but mainly we're concerned here. I, I was trying to say policies last time, uh, just a bit- minute ago. Uh, so political parties they are a linkage institution, they link me and you. It's a way for me and you to get a hold of our congressman, possibly a president. I mean, I, I-, I don't foresee that, but um, right. they link us, uh, with them. Okay, so you have a concern here in, in Gwinnett, Georgia, Gwinnett County, and you decide, I need to contact my congressman, okay? Uh, maybe the congressman doesn't answer you back, but you can go to the local Democrat or the local Republican Party and say, hey, I'm really like talking to my congressman. I got this problem. And maybe they can help you out, all right? It's a linkage institution. It's a way to get our issues uh, to the policymakers. And there's other linkage institutions, such as interest groups, which we're going to talk about in the media in this podcast, all righty? Uh, the function or impact of political parties that you need to know is their goal is to control the government. They run people in elections in order to get control of these policymaking institutions. They want to control Congress. They want to control the presidency uh, so that they can uh, run the government. So how do they do that? How do they get people out there? Um, And excuse me. Um, Well, the mobilization and education of voters, okay, getting people out there voting. Um, In 2008, 2012, uh, there was people uh, from the Democratic Party riding around picking up people who couldn't get to the polling stations and taking them to the polling station, okay, Uh, trying to encourage people to get out there and vote, uh, making them aware of the issues and the dates and the times and where they can go and how they can register and all that kind of stuff. OK, uh, providing the party platform and providing one that's going to be appealing to the, the, the base. All right. They have their voter, voter bases that they're trying to appeal to. Uh, political parties are going to recruit candidates. They're constantly on the lookout for people who they can run in elections, uh, especially against the other parties. Weak spots. OK. You know, Gwinnett County for the Republican parties at this point, could be considered a weak spot at the in the House uh, for Rob Woodall. And he's not going to run for re-election in the next uh, in the 2020 election. I think he sees the writing on the wall. It was a really close election this last time, and I think he sees that uh, he's probably not going to be able to, to win again. So the Democrats are looking for, well, who would we like to put in that spot? Who do we want to run against whatever Republican is going to run? And they're going to be out there looking for people who are maybe working um, in politics somewhere uh, and trying to move up and and those sorts of things. Okay, Uh, campaign management, fundraising, that sort of stuff. And uh, then once they're in power. you're working in the committee system, which we talked about during the congressional uh, portion of our podcast and in class, uh, and the leadership. You know, the House is controlled by Democrats now. The Republicans are control controlling the Senate, uh, and that leadership system there. So, all of those things are are used to, to help control um, and, and the impact the political parties play pe- play on me and you as the electorate. All righty. Um, so, next topic is how, why political parties change and adapt. One of the big changes that's happened for political parties is a move to the candidate centered campaign. What that means is, even though these people are affiliated with these parties, okay, there's all these Democrats coming out saying they're running for president and they're saying they're Democrats, but it's really candidate centered, okay? Uh, The parties no longer really have much say so in who's going to be the nominee from the Democratic Party. Uh, And You know, from 2016, when the Republicans had to run through the primaries, uh, the Republican Party didn't have a say so. Me and you get to say so because of the primaries. In the past, it was solely done by the parties. The party was the one who picked the presidential candidate. They would go to their big national convention in July and August, and they would have delegates there who would then vote on the candidates. 1860, Lincoln he was the fourth choice. There was four guys running: Sword, Stanton, Sam and Chase, <clears throat> and Lincoln. Lincoln was kind of a nobody, to be honest with you. The top two were Sword and Stanton, but the party was kind of split at the, and they had tons of votes—about thirty votes. And finally, people said we're getting nowhere because we're splitting our votes between Sword and Stanton. And so they started to slowly give votes to Lincoln. Finally, uh, after a, you know the, the ton of votes, the party had picked Lincoln. They, those guys, never ran. They never went state to state to get votes. Okay. Now, our guys, our people that are running, they're going to go ha- go and have to win the delegates from the state. They have to go and run a campaign in Iowa, New Hampshire, come out of Georgia, Florida, all these places, and they have to win the delegates from those states and those places. Uh, and then, once they've won enough enough votes, that's who's going to be picked at the convention. So it's not the, the the party that gets to say, oh, we like this person. Uh, delegates vote for them. The delegates are going to vote for who has won the, the majority of the states there. OK, so that's a big deal because the parties have lost some power there uh, because of that. Um, parties are going to modify their policies and messages to the different areas, the different demographics of the different areas. All right. Um, from the south to the north, west to east, uh, all that stuff uh, changes and is different, okay? Uh, structure of parties has been influenced by a couple of things. Critical elections is one of the big things, um, and that is these elections that kind of change the uh, leadership of the parties uh, or change the issues of the parties. You think back to the civil rights era, the Democrats and Republicans were on different paths. And then with the civil rights era, the, they kind of crisscrossed and, the, and there was changes there. OK, uh, campaign finance law, which we'll get into in a few minutes, uh, that has changed the, the structure uh, and then communication and data management. Because of the new technology, social media and things like that, it makes it easier for individual candidates. And going back to that whole candidate center campaign, it, this stuff makes it easier for candidates to get their message out to uh, the, the voters. Okay, uh, you know, Trump, whether you love it or hate it, he tweets all the time and it's a way for him to talk directly to people. The citizens versus having to go through the the parties. Okay, now the parties use their their those same technologies. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, to help get their their platform and their issues out there. Um, but it's still a tool that individuals can use. Uh, so, all right. Next topic is third party politics. Uh, remember, third parties. We got a two-party system. We got Republicans and Democrats. Now, there's all kinds of third parties out there. So, if you really aren't happy with the the Republicans or Democrats, you could probably find a third party somewhere uh, that you can align with. The problem is, third parties don't have much success. Um, they very rarely get any electoral votes. Okay, And remember that's what you got to get to win win the elections. Uh, people just tend to not vote for them, okay? Uh, And a lot of that comes from the the winner-take-all voting system that most states have, where if you're a candidate and you win that state, you get all those votes. There's only a couple states that do the proportional system where it's based on how many votes you get from the popular vote. That's they distribute the the votes. uh, According to that, Nebraska and Maine are the only two. So a third-party candidate is going to have to get the majority of votes in 48 of the 50 states. And it's just, it's almost impossible for them to do that. Okay. Um, So the biggest success stories for a third party candidate is really not winning the election, especially at the presidential level, but getting their issues, their platform addressed by the larger parties. Okay. Ross Perot. I know he's a long time before y'all, but he ran back in 92. Okay. Against uh, the first Bush And Clinton. And uh, he didn't win. He did take some votes away from the first Bush. But the main thing was that his platform was adopted to an extent by Clinton. Okay. So he didn't win, but he got his issues out there. He got enough publicity for them. Enough people voted for him for the Democrats and Clinton to think, you know what? This is important to the people. I need to address it. And so it kind of got morphed into. Uh, Some of the programs that that Clinton was trying to do. Okay, but third parties, once again, just remember, they don't have much success uh, winning elections. But if they can get their agenda out there, then that's a good thing for them. All right. Next up is interest groups influencing policymaking. Remember, interest groups uh, are going to be representing very specific single issues usually. um, And they are different from political parties in that they don't want to run the government, but they want to influence the government. So they're not running. You're not going to see an NRA candidate or a a Mothers Against Drunk Driving candidate or a Sierra Nevada Club candidate. Uh, Those people are going to support candidates. And what they want to do is they want to get their people that they support into office so that they can, I don't want to say manipulate, but so that they can use them as a tool to get policy passed uh, and things like that. They don't want to run the entire government. They're not concerned about all the issues that come with running a government like political parties have to be foreign policy economics and all those sorts of things. They don't care about that stuff. Okay. Uh, That's not their, their issue. Uh, And they do. Uh, Now, how do they influence? Well, the money. Okay, that's one of the big things. They make donations. The lobbying, uh, they have people that they pay to go up and lobby congressmen. A lot of times it's former congressmen. Uh, Interest groups can can draft legislation. All right. It doesn't just have to be a congressman. Uh, An interest group can draw up a piece of legislation and find a congressman that supports them and get them to, to work on it and put it out. Okay. Uh, They also can mobilize their their groups to go vote for people. That's a big deal. If you listen back in two thousand sixteen, the candidates Clinton and Trump would always drop. Oh, I was just endorsed by this group and this group and this group. Same thing is going to happen here in two thousand twenty. They're always going to come up with the people that they're going to um, these groups because a lot of times it's a huge voting block. Okay. they're part of the Iron Triangle. We've talked about that with the congressional unit, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. Uh, but remember the Iron Triangle—that is the interest group, the committee or subcommittee, and the bureaucratic agency that's aligned. So in their relationship, alrighty. Um, interest group influence can be impacted by uh, political and economic resources. There's some groups that have lots of resources. There's some groups that don't have much. And obviously, the groups that have lots of resources, lots of money, are going to have more influence. Okay, uh, unequal access to decision makers. Some interest groups, because they can access, I have you know, donate more money or whatever it might be. Uh, that's a benefit to them and uh, a detriment to the the ones that don't have as much money. Then the free rider problem. That is all the people that are part of the the group that don't pay. That would be me. Okay, I don't pay. But if a a teacher group ever got a a pay raise for teachers, I would still benefit, even though I'm not a part of any kind of teacher group. I don't pay that kind of money. All right. Uh, Groups influencing policy outcomes is the next thing. And it's a lot of kind of the same stuff. Um, Single issue groups, ideological groups, uh, protest movements. uh, They look to impact society and policymaking. Once again, uh, they're not going to be running candidates. okay? they want to affect everything from policy to budgets. Uh, you know, budgets is a way to control the bureaucratic agency. So if they get a congressman uh, to help control uh, a budget or cut a budget. That's a way to control a bureaucratic agency. Okay. Next up is electing the president. Um, the process. And outcomes in the U.S. presidential elections are impacted. How? That's what we're getting at here. Uh, They're impacted by a couple of things. The incumbent always has an advantage. Okay, Uh, Trump does have some advantages here. He's not going to have to run the primary. So he's not having to spend money, time, resources, effort uh, and that sort of stuff. So he is. Uh, has an advantage there. Open versus closed primaries. Open primaries are where anybody, Republican, Democrat, can go vote. Closed, you have to be from the party. Uh, caucuses is a different way of voting. Uh, it's not the polls. You're going to go and you're going to spend a day talking, discussing the candidates. Then you'll have a vote. Okay. Uh, the party conventions, uh, they've lost their power, but they're still a big deal, still a big jumping off point for the, the candidates. Uh, the presidential election, the general election, Um, it's big because voter turnout is higher during the presidential elections and then the Electoral College. Okay. Remember the Electoral College. They're the ones that actually do the uh, elect of the president and they got to get 270 votes and each state has a certain number based on their house members and their senator. We talked about the winner take all and how that works. Maine and Nebraska are the only two that don't do that. Um, now, there are some states that are coming up with some rules and laws about the, the popular vote versus the electoral vote and things like that. Uh, we'll see how that affects the uh, this, this election. I don't think they only come into play in certain situations. And I, I don't think we need to really worry about that uh, for the, t- these test purposes. OK, next up is congressional elections. Remember, they happen every two years because every two years. All in the House is running and a third of the Senate is running. They have some of the same impacts. The in, in, um, incumbents have an advantage. 90% of the time in the House they win, about 75% of the time in the Senate they win. Open and closed primaries, same deal. Caucuses, same deal. Okay. Uh, the one big difference is the general elections, midterm elections, you have less turnout. So that affects who's going to win and who's going to lose. So it's it's they sometimes the the parties have to decide when are we going to run these people when there's going to be a high turnout or a low turnout, uh, midterms or presidential elections. Okay, all right. Last little bit is about modern campaigns and some of the, the, the finance reform and and things like that, <laughs> and then we'll get into the media and be done. I got to go quick because I'm running out of time with this one. Um, so modern campaigns, uh, we talked about social media. Uh, and that also keep in mind, these people are running for long periods of time. OK, uh, the presidential cycle, it, it's it starts very early. People have already come out and said they're running for the Democratic nomination. So they've started their 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 campaign cycle. So it's a, it's a lot. They have to do a lot of fundraising. They, it it, ta- it costs a lot. Uh, Clinton raised over a billion dollars to run in 2016. Trump raised over 800 million. So uh, uh, there's a lot of money involved here. OK. Uh, a lot of professional consultants, people telling them how to run and things like that. All right. Campaign finance. Um, the big things to know here are the Campaign Reform Act in 2002. All right. Uh, it tried to ban soft money, which was just money that was coming in anywhere. It could be spent anywhere uh, and also reduce attack ads. So now you have to put your name on it. So if you hear an ad, it's going to say, hey, my name is and I'm from this party and I support this ad. If it doesn't say that, then it was run by somebody else and they can do really what they want to. All right. Uh, the big court case here is Citizen United versus Federal Election Commission. Citizen United was a group. They wanted to run a movie or commercial about Hillary Clinton. A uh, long time ago now, and um, they were denied. Uh, eventually, the the courts are going to rule that political spending by corporations uh, is a form of protected speech under the First Amendment, so they can run those things, okay? Uh, and that was a free speech thing, okay? Uh, fair elections. Uh, the spending is the big thing. It's, it's so, they, they tried to cap it. There's only so much money that me and you can donate. There's only so much money that interest groups and businesses can donate, but they found ways around it with PACs, which is political action committees. All that is, it's nothing to get freaked out about. It's just, hey, here I am, an interest group, I can only donate so much money. Let me create this other group, this pack, and I'll donate money that way. And then they created super packs to get around some of the regulations put on packs. And then they created 527s, which was another way to get around other uh, other regulations put on those things. So all these groups are just born out of the, well, let's regulate this. Let's regulate this. And then they find a way around it with, with different groups. Okay. Uh, lastly is the media. Um used to be the media was the newspaper, radio, TV, and that was really it. Now we have all kinds of different things, social media, uh, blogs, and, and all that kind of stuff, and this race to be first uh, to get stuff out there uh, has really changed the way um, elections are covered, politics are covered, okay, and it also has affected us as citizens and how we get our news. Uh, no longer do we have to read the newspaper to get the information. We can go jump on Twitter and um, other blog sites and, and things like that, um, to get the news. Okay. Uh, the media uses polls. We talked about polls in the last, um, last podcast on, on, you know, four, uh, and they use that to, to show what people think and believe about the government. Uh, it also can impact, um, the elections because you get the bandwagon effect where they're, they're talking about people, uh, the, the, and they only talk about the, really the, the people at the top of the poll. And so that can create a, well, hey, if I vote for that person at the bottom of the poll, that's going to throw away my vote. All right. Uh, it's also something called horse race journalism uh, or horse race coverage where they're only covering the, the top few. Okay. Uh, they're also considered gatekeepers and they create the, the policy because they control what we, we, we see and know and, and hear about. Okay. If they're not talking about it, chances are we probably don't know about it. All right. Lastly, is the change in media. Uh, the media. We want stuff uh, quickly, and we want it now. Okay, um, and because these media outlets are trying to make money, it's led to this discussion about media bias uh, because they're playing to their 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 bases. You know, CNN is playing to the left, Fox News is playing to the right because they need to get they need to make money, and it's a uh, it's. You know, we're not going to get into the whole fake news and all that kind of stuff, but it is, it is an issue and uh, they're looking to make money. Okay, so I, I really went quick there because I only got a couple more minutes left. Uh, and I don't want to run out of time. So that, uh, like I said, concludes the content. Unit 5, uh, a lot of stuff in it. You know, we're, We go through it pretty quickly. Um, if you have questions or concerns about anything from Unit 5, please find a way to get a hold of me, whether it's through remind text, email, or come by the room. And let's talk about these things. Um, but that's the last bit. I'm going to have one more podcast just about the test. It'll be short uh, about the, the four FRQs and a little bit about the uh, multiple choice section. But, uh, happy reviewing. Good luck on your tests. If you're taking them yet uh, or getting started or whatever, our test, the Gov test, is the first one. So you know, if you're listening to this, good luck on the rest of your tests. I hope you can get all fives on everything. All right. Take care. See you later.